Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Let's get right to it. You know what's coming. I know what's coming. It's Elon Musk taking on Mark Zuckerberg. And ladies and gentlemen, it is going to happen in historic fashion in old Italy at apparently the Colosseum. See, that's what happens when you get seriously rich dudes together. Apparently, according to Twitter on the Elon Musk Twitter, live stream will be on this platform, which is Musk's and Meta, which is Zuckerberg's. Everything in camera frame will be ancient Rome. So there will be absolutely nothing modern at all. Does that help? I don't know. Does that hurt? Maybe. I spoke to the Prime Minister of Italy and the Minister of Culture. They have agreed on an epic location. My sense is Dana White and others are saying Zuckerberg against Musk is going to be in the Roman Colosseum. We're talking gladiators here. Yeah. We're talking, let's have at it, old school. You know what? They should joust. There should be jousting before, real life jousting. (coughs) They should do this in a variety of ways. They should joust, then they should bullfight, and then they should have these two guys fight. You see it right here, the announcement. Everything done will pay respect to the past and present of Italy, and all proceeds go to veterans. This is what I'm talking about. This is where we are at in the world. A couple of gladiators. Look, will I watch? If it's free, you're damn right I will watch. Will I pay for it? Man, I don't think so. What I would like to see is this. I would like to see a heavyweight title bout. I would like to see a UFC title bout. And then all leading up to the tech title about Musk and, of course, Zuckerberg. That's what I'd like to see. Let's just make it a night of champions. In fact, if it's in the Coliseum, hell, put a soccer field down, have a Premier League championship, then a heavyweight, then a UFC title, and then, of course, the Titans of Tech. Yeah, that's where I'm at with all of this, and I think you are too. Uh, My friend Bob Shelby said, hey, look, I'll wait for your recap, Dan. I ain't mad at you, Doc. I am not mad at you, Robert. I'm not mad. I understand people may watch, people may not watch, but at least, you know what we got? We got something interesting, and I'm all in on it. Like, you know, I get guys all the time, Dog, you're joking to fight you for charity. Yeah, well, no one's coming to watch you. They're only coming to watch me. You know what I mean? And I'm too damn old. 60 years old, put him up, put him up. Almost had to throw hands on the golf course, but you get what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen. This is the announcement. Zuckerberg versus Musk. Dana White confirms proposed one billion super fight behind, uh, between the tech titans could take place at the Coliseum in Rome after talks 
with Italian officials. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. That's the news of the day. It isn't that Anthony Richardson appears to be the QB1, as all the blogger boys say. Hell no. Oh, by the way, speaking of this, another day, another NFL stupid CEO, Jeb York, is accused of insider trading and covering up a sports, or excuse me, a gambling cheating scandal. Now, here's what you got to understand about Jeb York. And I said this yesterday. Did I not? You never hear anything bad, do you, about the San Francisco 49ers? Well, apparently you do. ML football has become a great site to follow. It really has. Jeb York and part of the family, which owns a team, have been accused of insider trading, college cheating scandal via Chegg, and faces multiple lawsuits. York is accused, along with insider trading, for dumping the company stock, earning $1.4 billion in profit by selling 20,000 shares at artificially inflated prices. Another day, another idiot involved in the NFL. <sighs> One of the lawsuits, York engaged in insider sales before the fraud was exposed. This is about an online company that hid the role in helping students cheat during online exam. The lawsuits alleged that York and his colleagues, listen to this, at the online educational sport company sold off their Chegg stock at the top of the market without informing investors about the extent to which students were provided real-time answers to their exams. So they got this company, Chegg, which is a support company for students. They gave students answer to exam, which obviously is not right, which obviously is a scandal. Is that illegal? I really don't know. But what is illegal is when you sell a company not informing the regulators of what is going on in the company. If people thought there was a, co a problem with this check and providing students with online real-time answers. The company wouldn't have been valuable, as valuable. So old Jeb Yorkie proves me wrong. I don't like being wrong, Jeb. I don't like being wrong. I don't like being wrong. But guess what? There is a problem with the 49s, but it's not on the field. Listen to this. During the pandemic, students were increasingly... Uh, administer tests online, they realized they could use Chegg to instantaneously get answers to their exam. When COVID restrictions eased, students were called back into classroom, Chegg's revenue and stock price plunged once pupils could no longer blatantly cheat using this site. But before all that happened, oh boy, got rid of the stock. So there you go. Another day, I got another one coming up too. I got another day, another NFL pain in the backside. Hey, by the way, I'm not done with you 49ers. No, I'm not. Jimmy Garoppolo is sad. Jimmy Garoppolo admits, he admits that Kyle Shanahan getting rid of him so easily made him sad. I mean, we're all people. You hear it. Things like that. I just try to make the best of the situation. We've all been through hard things in life. Things are going to happen that don't go your way, and you've just got to make the best of it. As a quarterback of a team, there are a lot of guys looking at you in that huddle, so you really can't show that side of it. You've just got to go out there and ball. That's the part. That's the hardest, but it's part of the job. He's sad because Kyle Shanahan didn't give him the love.
that Kyle Shanahan said, hey, you have no use to me. You're of no value to me. I got to plug stuff in. So you know what, Jimmy G? As we say with my nieces and nephews when we play cards, we'll see ya. He gone. And, and you know what? Jimmy G is sad. Sticking with the NFL, sticking with NFL news, this is unbelievable. You know, I would argue, even though our guy David Hookstead, David Hookstead had a great, has a great column up about his trip to Vegas, the good and the bad. And it involves porn stars. Yes, it does. It involves porn stars. I would argue that anything involving porn stars is not going to end well. Just my argument. Anything that involves football players and porn stars and a lot of money just is not going to end well. Let me tell you. So we talked about this idiot yesterday, Damon Arnett. Damon Arnett is a former Raiders first-round pick, picked by the idiot, the clown show that is John Gruden and Mike Mayock. This guy, Arnett, hasn't had much of an NFL career, considered kind of a bust. Guess what? Arnett is accused by a porn star named Denley, Danny Banks of stealing her Cartier watch, her phone, and her money. But that's not it. They say that this guy, Arnett, is a serial, a serial porn star stealer. That's right. He hangs with the porn stars and, you know, he steals their stuff. You know what's cool? Karma is a mother. Uh, The way he acts and moves, he's either going to get killed or he's going to get locked up. Well, Arnett recently, and we talked about this yesterday, pled guilty to charges of drawing a deadly weapon and assault. Yeah. All right. Hey, I ain't mad at you. You do you, Arnett. You're an idiot. We know you're an idiot. And you continue to act like an idiot. And karma is a mother. Karma's a mother. I am not going to lie to you. Oh, let's stay with this. Buster Skine was arrested in Canada, former NFL player, for allegedly defrauding multiple banks for $100,000. Now, full disclosure, let me ask you guys on the YouTube chat, you gals on the YouTube chat, would you even have an idea how to defraud a bank? Would you even have an idea to go, hey, you know what, let's read. Uh, Skyney purportedly posed as a retired NFL player opening bank accounts with fraudulent checks, withdrawing funds before the checks cleared. Now, this idiot made over $40 million. Four. Zip. That's 40. Comma. Zip, zip, zip. Comma. Zip, zip, zip. $40 million. I know there's taxes. So he cleared, let's say, $18 million. I ain't mad at you, Busta Rhymes. But the NFL, look, let me give you a piece of advice. Don't ever go into business with an NFL player. A former NFL player, a current NFL player, the old guy with 16 bad knees, 100-year-old NFL players, and don't ever go into business other than a few of us, other than with an Indiana basketball player. Never go into business with entitled people. Never, ever, ever go into business with entitlement 
because entitlement is always trying to, well, you know, I got this thing here. Well, you know, I mean, I got this, I got this deal here. Well, they're going to catch us. No, no. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> Gee, speaking, see the segue here, Aaron? Damn good right now, Gary. I just segue. Speaking of entitled, the U.S. women's national team. Oh, baby. All right, U.S. Women's National Team, the first moment, this is from the Netherlands star, Lineth Bistui. The first moment when I heard that they were out, I was just thinking, yes, because from the start of this tournament, they had already a really big mouth. They were talking about the final and stuff. I was just thinking, first, you have to show it on the pitch before you're talking. See, this is what I've been talking about. I don't care about the politics of this whole thing with the women's U.S. national team. I I don't care. I've said this on this show. I've said this on Laura Ingram. I've said this in radio interviews. I've said this anywhere I have been asked on Hot Mike. The political stuff didn't bother me. Yeah, I don't care. I just, I know that's who people are. But the unlikableness, there was nothing likable. And right here, the Netherlands star says it. They're just talking. And not in a fun way. Like when I talk to you, it's in a fun way. I'm a fun guy. I'm a mushroom. A fun guy. But anyway, they, ladies and gentlemen, were uninteresting. They were boring. They were verbose. They were arrogant. They just simply were unlikable. That doesn't have to do, in my opinion, with a whole lot of politics. I mean, we've heard politics before. Like, to me, Colin Kaepernick isn't unlikable or unhirable because of his politics. He's unhirable because he wasn't that good at the end. And when I watched his documentary, it took me about two minutes to go, yeah, this ain't a real one. This guy's not smart enough. This guy's not deep enough. He has the depth of the kiddie pool. So I'm like, yeah, I'm done. Doesn't have anything to do with politics or kneeling or any of that stuff. That didn't really bother me. You do you. But just be likable. Uh, I like what Lane Kiffin's doing. I like what Lane Kiffin is doing. Lane Kiffin is highlighting student-athletes, non-football division, across the country and the struggles that they're going to have. He has taken some players, some players' Twitter, some young ladies that play softball out west saying, wait a second, I came here so I could play in front of family and friends. I came here to USC so I could play close to home. And now what? We got to go to Michigan, Michigan State, Rutgers. Who the hell lives Michigan, Michigan State, and Rutgers? Who the hell from the that plays West Coast softball wants to play out there? Here you go. I chose to play in the Pac-12. I'm going for the bottom one from Shannon because of the ability to play close to home in front of my family. I chose the Pac so my family didn't have to worry about far travel, giving up all their vacation time just to come see me. This affects athletes in every sport and academics. Lane Kiffin's response, sorry, they obviously didn't think about how it would affect the ones that actually have to play, travel, and go to class the next day. I will say this to you. I will say this. This is what you wanted. This is what the public wanted. The public and the media wanted everybody to get paid. They wanted athletes to get paid. They want more, 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 more. Last time you talked to or saw Jay Billis talking about college basketball, what are you talking about? You got to pay the players. More money. 
money this, money that. There's not enough money. There is enough money. Uh, whenever you hear about the greatness of the Big Ten Network, what do you hear about it? The programming's mediocre. The announcers stink. But the truth of the matter is, because of the games that they have, guess what? People watch. Revenue is shared. Millions go to each school. Everybody sees that. That's considered a good thing. You can't start complaining now when this is what everybody wants. What did coaches want? Coaches wanted tens of millions of dollars a year. Nick Saban, nine to eleven million a year. Lane Kiffin, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine million a year. How are you paying for that? You think you're just paying for that by waving a magic wand, putting a student fee in? You think Nike's paying for all that? No, they're paying for some, a lot. Adidas paying for some, a lot. Guy in Indiana, Mike Woodson. Mike Woodson, I've never understood this. I've said this forever. Guys would coach in Indiana for $500,000. There's no reason to pay a guy $5 million. Guys would coach in Kentucky for $500,000. No reason to pay a guy $9, $10 million. No reason. Schools have screwed this up, and now uh, coaches have taken advantage. In certain ways, athletes have taken advantage. Athletes wanted more, more. Give me more, give me more, give me more. Well, you got more. How are you going to pay for it? You pay for it by moving into the Big Ten, getting Big Ten network money. You pay for it by moving into the SEC, getting that ESPN money. And all of a sudden, everybody's complaining? Fine, complain. I don't blame student athletes for complaining, but this is what everybody wanted. Everybody wanted more. I said two things. One, you better protect the schools. You didn't. And two, you better protect the sport. You haven't. That's all I've said. More, more, more. Hey, look, you know, hey, young lady, you know that laptop and that lobster that you're eating? Money's got to come from somewhere. Certainly not generated by softball. Certainly not generated by volleyball. Certainly not generated by baseball. It's generated by football. School's got to move into a league. You want more? You got more. Now you're complaining because to get more, you got to travel. Hey. Uh, NFL legend, Super Bowl hero, Terrell Owens, offers a sobering thought on the league. He says, today's NFL would have killed me. Today's game would have killed me. It's funny how I coach youth football, coach the old school way for running backs, but most of my periods with them are spent running routes because I know that's where the game is. I can't get them stuck in the 90s where it was all about your... uh, how you run zone and wide zones and counters and draws. They're not running that stuff now. I'm giving them some of it, but most of what I give them is pass protection receiving drills. I want them to be up with the times so that when they go to the next level, they are not behind. You know, it's interesting. I guess if I had an athletic son that was coming up in football, I think I'd make him a wide receiver or, I don't know, Debo Samuel. You can run inside, you can run outside, you can go catch passes. Uh, Texas A&M kills a controversial NIL fund after an IRS memo. Now, here's the deal. Everybody says Texas A&M got the most scratch. Texas A&M got the biggest wallet. Texas A&M got the big deal. They got them all. They got them all. They got everything. They got it all. Damn it. (laughs) Well, guess what? 
The IRS said, hang on there, Skippy. Hang on, Skippy. We want to see what in the hell's going on around here. And them old boys in Texas said, hey, look, I'm going to tell you something. We're going to keep doing this. I don't give a damn what you say. I don't give a damn how this goes. We got the money. We're going to spend that money. And we're going to, by God, we're going to give it to these athletes. And I'm telling you what, Jimbo's going to bring us home. Jimbo's going to bring us a championship. And he got Bobby Petrino right now. And Bobby Petrino, he, yeah, we know he was on the back of that bike with that girl. But hell, she's a pretty girl. So that makes it all right. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. It makes it all right. Look, uh, Texas A&M, that's great. The uh, IRS is after you. See, here's my thing with the IRS, all right? My thing with the IRS is this. Um, I feel like once the IRS starts digging into your stuff, I feel like you got a problem. I do. I feel like all of a sudden, uh, time out, time, time, my first time out, uh, I think we got a problem here, kids, because it seems to me that the IRS does not stop with one little chat. I feel like the IRS is one of those organizations that goes, uh, hold on, we, we saw this, um, Now we're looking at this. So here's the deal. They've shut down this 12th man program after reviewing directives from the IRS. The fund, I'm going to read right here from it, which attempted to bring name, image, and likeless collective efforts in-house, put their 501c3, their nonprofit status, in jeopardy. They shut down the fund after IRS released a memo which told NIL collectives their function doesn't fit within the confines of tax event status. They are, however, Texas A&M, allowing Jimmy jo- Jim Bob Cooter and the rest to put their money elsewhere. Well, if you go to Texas A&M, I'll tell you one thing you're going to get. You're going to get paid. I can't wait to have Governor Greg-, Greg Abbott on because Governor Greg Abbott of Texas did something that I love. He called out frauds. So Eric Adams is the governor, or excuse me, the mayor of New York City. And he did what your little neighbors did. We're all are welcome here. There's no such thing as an illegal person. They put that sign, that rainbow sign in their window. My neighbor did it right here. I laughed. So Governor Greg Abbott said, okay, Eric Adams, we're going to send, you're the biggest city. You're a sanctuary city. Shoot, everything's good, baby. We believe you are telling us the truth. We believe that you love all. Love is love. Now, wait a second. They're being overrun. Governor Adams says, hold on. Wait a second. We need federal assistance. But what has really made New York City people furious is you can't play the sports no more. Youth football, youth soccer fields are now camps. They're now camps for illegal immigrants. That's right. Camps, tents, taking it over. Wait a second. This ain't right. We pay for those fields, parents say. Wait a second. How are our little kitties? How's Jimmy Bag of Donuts and Susie Rotten Crotch? How are they going to grow as people if they don't have the sports? 
and these damn immigrants are taking our sports away. Yeah? Well, I don't know. You wanted them. You ran. You're the guy. You're the guy that said, we are welcome, everybody. Come see us. We are a sanctuary city. And you know what? Texas is only getting a glimpse of what's going on. Um, excuse me. New York City is only getting a glimpse of what's going on in New Mexico, what's going on in Arizona, what's going on in Texas. It's coming to Indy. It's absolutely coming to Indy. It is. Uh, the Washington State Athletic Director is not happy with the Pac-12. Really? No. Really? Oh, well, I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, uh, you know, you, you wanted more money. Everybody wanted more money. I, I don't know. I mean, is that, you know, I don't know. I'm, you know, he's not happy. He's not happy. He says we have failed leadership. Really? You didn't know that when your Pac-12 network got no distribution? But wait a second. Bill Walton tells me it's the Conference of Champions. What? No, I'm reading. It's a Conference of Champions. And you know what? Bill Walton, he had a 30 for 30. So he's a good dude. Yeah, he is. Pat Chung ain't happy. When you have failed leadership, according to Mr. Chung, this is what happens. All right. Okay. Well, no kidding. The conference has mismanaged itself on a number of levels, and when you have failed leadership, this is what happened. He said there could be books written on the failed leadership. The last few weeks are a culmination of failed leadership, failed implementation. It was a bunch of decisions and failed strategy that put us into this space. The ones that lose out are the student-athletes. You know, when you're a politician, you talk about real America. And you put your thumb up and you say, real Americans, who's your values? When you are an athletic director, you go to student athletes. You guys don't give a rat's ass about student athletes. You're paying student athletes because you've been forced to. You're upping the level of food and living conditions for student athletes because you have been forced to, period. Well, give me this crap. Don't give me this garbage. You all wanted more money. I keep saying it, and I'm the only one that's going to say it because everyone else is so sad. Everyone else is talking about the legal issues. This is what's going Look, here's the deal. You wanted more money. You begged, you borrowed, you complained, you went to court, you wanted more, 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 more. And you know what, Mr. Athletic Director at Washington State? You're in a bad spot. He said Washington State's going to be fine, and hopefully they are. Hopefully everybody's fine. But it ain't the student-athletes that are missing out. Let me explain something to you. 99.9999999999% of Washington State student-athletes aren't going professional in a sport. So what's the deal? Well, you still get a full-ride scholarship. You still get your ass kissed constantly. You still get better food, better living conditions than you'll have until you're a billionaire at age 50. I told my son that when he was at Michigan. Like, dude, just telling you, it's the best you're going to live in a long time. You show up. We went in the locker room. Big screen TVs everywhere. Big spread over here. 
Ain't happening unless you want to make the big spread. So the student athletes will be fine. Pull on the purse strings of all the other little ladies and gentlemen of the media. Don't try me. Student athletes, they ain't going pro anyway. They chose to go to wherever the hell Washington State is. Good for them. Guess what? They're still on scholarship. They're still making money. They still can make NIL. They're still being treated better than they will. They're still being entitled, and they'll still play a sport. They, ladies and gentlemen, will be just fine. Willie Colon's going to join us. But I got to tell you, Bashad Breeland, former NFL cornerback, another one, arrested over a tremendous haul that includes a stolen vehicle, four guns, pounds of weed, magic mushrooms. That's right. That's right. Magic mushrooms. I thought that was only in like Scooby-Doo. The Scooby-Doo, we have magic mushrooms walking around? Good for Brashad Breeland, another NFL guy. Look, here's the deal. Dude, don't do, don't steal a car. Don't do it. Don't steal a car. Bunch of AKs or ARs, whatever the hell they call them. More weed. You go Nate Newton on the weed. Look up the reference. And, of course, you got the shrooms. Good for him. I like Willie Colon. Willie Colon's fun. Going to talk to Willie Colon coming up here in a couple of minutes. And then we got the governor, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. We got the governor of Texas. How about our show? How about my guys and gals of this show getting us the governor of Texas? Then bottom of the next hour. That's coming up at 10. Bottom of the next hour, Mark Harris, our golf rider. I hate... I hate that Phil Mickelson acquiesced. Hey, Phil, bet $2 billion next year. That'll show them. Like us, love us. It's the polite thing to do. Remember, all these shows down here at the bottom has made OutKick the fastest-growing website, fastest-growing streaming service, the fastest-growing entity in the history of the world. Yeah, that's right. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The great Willie Colon, you've seen him, you know him, you love him. Super Bowl champ, but not only Super Bowl champ. He's been in the ring and professional wrestling. He's worked at Barstool. He was at Jets camp the other day. Hey, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you, sir. No, thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, Willie, I got to ask you. You worked at Barstool. Portnoy and Big Cat are friends of mine. When you saw that Portnoy bought his deal back, what were your thoughts? What are your thoughts on this whole deal going on with Barstool? You, you know, I, I'm not surprised they brought back, bought back his baby. Um, I, I think when you get into the sports betting world, you have to understand there's a lot of restrictions. There's a lot of things you can do, can't do. And I think if you know anything about Barstool, 
nobody puts baby in the corner, right? You don't tell them what they can do right. and what they cannot do. So I'm not surprised Dave's, Dave said, you know what? Thanks for having us, uh, but we'll, we'll we'll exit left. And I think it's good for the fan base. I think it's good for all the stoolies out there who, you know, they're purists at heart when it comes to Dave Portnoy and the content that thrives within Barcelona. It's kind of a renegade outlaw universe they live in, and uh, they, I think they're going back to what they know, and that's providing content that people I, love. I agree. I, I do, because regulators don't like hassles, right? All you got to do is watch a movie Casino. Regulators don't want De Niro out there on TV, man. They, they don't want to hear or a piece in uh, you know the New York Times about Dave Portnoy, a hit piece. They don't need that crap. It's, it, listen, I, I was fortunate enough to be a part of Barstool. Um, had some amazing years there. I met some amazing people, some really creative, fun, uh, intelligent people. And one thing I noticed is that they all have one common gene. They march to their own beat of their drum. Um, and they don't like being constricted to what the masses want them to be constricted to. And I think that's why people fall in love with you know, Big Cat and the PFTs of the world, the Dave Portnoy's. Uh, even when I had my morning show, you know, Barstool Breakfast, you know, we kind of did things the way we chose to do things each and every day, and people gravitated towards it. So I think they're going to get back to that, and it's going to be fun. Hey, Willie, you're the perfect guy to ask this. I'm watching the Manziel documentary. He watched zero tape and bragged about it. I don't know. I know we're all supposed to love Johnny Manziel, but I coached for 25 years college basketball, and I'm like, come on, man. Don't waste talent like that. What are you doing? It's nonsense. You know, like, it's. You, I don't know any college athlete or professional athlete that doesn't at least put on the tape, right, to not even put it on and watch it <laughs> when they, when they kind of had his uh, recorded time to see how long he was actually on the iPad. It said zero. That means – he was literally coming home after a hard day's work of being in the building and tossing his iPad to the side, which is it's just wild. At least put it on. You don't have to, you know, I knew I knew some guys who weren't big into tape. I was a guy that needed to watch film because I was, you know, I went to bed with football. Some guys, you know, like to turn it off once they leave the building. When you're the quarterback in the face of a franchise and you're as drafted as high as he was, you don't have that luxury. You know, you have to be all in. You have to be died in. And I think that's that's really indicative to the Cleveland Browns organization. As much as you want to say that's about Johnny Menzel, if you're a scout to the powers that be who was scouting that young man to lead the Cleveland Browns to a Super Bowl and you did not know that was part of his pedigree and character, that's on you. That's on the organization. That's not on Johnny Menzel. Because I'm pretty sure he wasn't looking at film when he was in college. Uh, and so that's that's a that's an indictment on the scouting department. No, you're exactly right because, you know, you always hear about this, Willie. You always hear about, well, they picked me apart in scouting. Well, I had, I had uh, after we won a national championship in 1987, two guys uh, that played for us at Indiana, they're like, hey, coach, uh, I think there's private eyes watching us, you know, as they got ready for the draft. So dudes are going way back. I've been watching. You've got to know. It, it, like, it's one thing. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's one thing to be the renegade guy that doesn't watch tape. Well, if you're really good, if you're Joe right. Willie Namath and you're out there jacking. Right? But Taylor. it's another thing in modern. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. modern quarterback, you got to lead people. You got to show up. And you got to be prepared. And, and one thing about the quarterback position, you don't have no, no, no position should not be prepared for the job. 
But when it when it when it's that five minutes left in the game and a play needs to be had and you have to be the guy to kind of put on the cape and win this game for your ball club, your preparation gets you to the table. If you're not prepared from the neck up, I mean, it, it's already a loss. And you could tell watching Johnny Menzel play football, especially in the NFL. He was used to a brand of football that is good in the neighborhood. Like he was used to Sandlot football. The league is too complicated, too complex, too much, too much layers within the game for you to just walk on the field and have a day. Doesn't exist in the NFL. You got to come prepare. Hey, uh, I go to your guy, Ben Roethlisberger. He came to my basketball camp. He was from about 30 minutes away. He's from Finley. I coached at Bowling Green State University. He comes to my camp. And he was going to be a football player, but I offered him a scholarship watching him play 10 minutes of basketball. Again, I don't know your relationship, but what I saw was a dude the exact opposite, at least then. He was a freaking leader, and you could tell it on the basketball court in 10 freaking minutes, and that wasn't even what he was really about basketball. Yeah, me and Ben are extremely close. I call him my brother. Uh, We've been through a lot. I was actually in his wedding. I know his family very well, beautiful people. I mean, you're 100% right. He's honestly probably the most competitive human being I know that walks the planet. Uh, He would compete with us and anybody about anything and everything. And one thing, one thing about his leadership skill that I think sometimes get lost when you characterize or you describe a leader is his will to not make excuses during crucial times. There is no, we're not going back. There is no, um, we can't get it done. It's, how much time we need to get it done, and this is what we need to do, and it's all eyes forward. He, I don't remember a time when Ben ever looked back or or really dwelled on a play that hurt us within the game because it's always about the next play, and I think he always kept that mentality, and it trickled down to us. As much as we didn't play as well during games, it was about that play during that moment getting it done and executing, and I think that's what separated him from a lot of other athletes and quarterbacks. Well, you and him, you know, you don't have to get to my age and all of a sudden have regrets that you you squandered something. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, I think I think at the end of the day, when it comes down to being a professional athlete, you you learn to live with regrets, but you also learn to seek them, seize the moment, if you will. And I think what that's some of the greats do. You talk about Tom Brady and other elite athletes of this world, and I know you've been around and walked there and walked around some really good guys. They're not afraid of the moment. And part of it not being afraid of the moment is being prepared for the moment. And that, and that, that's how, that has a lot to do with it. You know, hey, um, how fun is it to play football in a city like Pittsburgh where, I mean, there's no basketball. Hockey is big. Baseball is okay. We used to be really good. How fun is it to play for the Steelers? Just fun. I don't even know if fun is – is a right word to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're considered a God. You're born into a religion that generations and generations of people not only idolize the jersey that you're wearing, wearing, but care about you as a human being. One of my greatest things that I loved about playing for the Steelers was after a good win or a great win, and, you know, guys get festive at bars and you're partying and you're having a good time, man. And there were fans I can remember, literally. And this it, – it's it, 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 it pays homage to the culture within Pittsburgh. I would have fans come up to me like, hey, big fella, I know you was in there having a good time. Congratulations on the big win. Um, do you need a ride home? Or are we going down to the diner? Do you want me to go pick you up something? Like, we were considered family amongst the city. So it was only right when we played on a Monday night, Thursday night, on Sunday against whoever that we gave it all I got. 
because there was genuine, genuinely love and appreciation for what we did on the field and how we represented the city of Pittsburgh and PA as a whole. So um, that that's something that I always hold near and dear to my heart, that the, the fans, they saw us outside the helmets when they were around us. They didn't just treat us as ball players or their favorite player. They cared about our well-being. And I, I'm all, I'm all for, forever be grateful for that. Do you have a sandwich named after you in Pittsburgh? No, I I don't. But I wish I wish I wish I had a a, a, a hero a sub named after you know the Big Willie sub or something or the the cologne casket you know gravy fries. I don't I don't know. So I don't know. But, uh, something would be good, but I don't have no. Yeah, I don't have. I mean, it, uh, that's bullshit. Anyway, I'll move <laughs> on. Uh, hey, <laughs> you were at Jets camp. You've been at Jets camp. Hard Knocks is there. You know, it, I, I've had people tell me, and I'm not I'm not sure I'm smart enough, but I've had people that have studied this and that say, look, it seems a little tempered because the Jets have maybe too much control. I, maybe they do, maybe they don't. But what's your take? Now, all of a sudden, the Jets are interesting. You've got Aaron Rodgers there. You've got Sauce Gardner there. What, what's your take on the Jets? You know, me personally, I'm happy for the ball club. I'm happy for the organization. Um, you know, 75% of that offense goes to the quarterback. And if you watch the Jets in the last couple of years, the one thing that has hindered this team, even my time as a Jet, uh, as much as I love Ryan Fitzpatrick and I was there for Geno's rookie year, I was able to play alongside Michael Vick, who was a Jet for a small period of time. You know, we never had a Hall of Fame true type quarterback lead the Jets onto the field. Now you have Aaron Rodgers, who has been there, done that, has played at a high level for a long time. Um, has played long into the season, playing meaningful games in December, leading into January into the playoffs. He's been that guy. He's been the GOAT. His name has been amongst the best to ever do it. The Jets as a whole, my only concern is, one, they don't don't put all of it on Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be Aaron Rodgers. He's going to score touchdowns. He's going to be great. But the supporting cast has to elevate to his level. And if you treat him as your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, yeah, he's going to deliver – but Jesus had a couple of disciples that went to work for him, too. So if football is a team sport, it can't just be Aaron Rodgers trying to put on the cape winning games. He's capable of that, 100%. But this is a really good defense that's young, that has to learn how to close out games. Because if Aaron Rodgers puts two touchdowns on the board in the fourth quarter, it's up to the defense, this historic, well-paid defense, to now close out games. And it's up to this offensive line to raise their level up and keep uh, number eight upright. It's up to this, the receivers to be playmakers. So it has to be all hands on deck for this New York Jets team. And it's a start. It's a rough start for this Jets team. They open up Monday night against Buffalo. They turn around and play the Patriots. They had the Chiefs. They had the Broncos. So they're not playing teams where they have the the uh, the luxury of warming up to. Their, their first game is a heavyweight fight against the Buffalo Bills within, within the division. And by the way, it's on Monday night. So all eyes are going to be on this team and Robert Salah and how they perform and what they look like. And they have to r- arise. And then if they can rise to the moment and win consistently, because when you win consistently, that means you're getting another team's best. Nobody's, nobody's going to be surprised about the New York Jets, especially when you got number eight Aaron Rodgers walking on the field. They're going to give you their best. Two questions. You brought up the Patriots. One, how much do you hate the Patriots? And two, is Bill Belichick on the hot seat now that he's shown, eh, without Tom Brady, great coach, I know, but you got to, you know, we're keeping track. You know, I think this year is going to be a pivotal year. I think their defense is going to be lights out, to be honest. I think they're going to be absolutely fascinating. I, As far as um, my hate and disdain for the Patriots, that's because they would kick my butt. You know, they were a team that we, no matter how well we did as the Pittsburgh Steelers, 
we had to see Tom Brady and, 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 the, and the Patriots. And one thing, Mike Tom and I remember uh, one time he, we were is our pre- preparation for the Patriots, and it usually Wednesday is installed, so all the guys get together. We have the big team meeting, and he goes, "Listen," and we were hot. Our defense was really good. We were really good as a uh, offense. We were, you know, pretty much either third, either third or second behind them in the AFC uh, conference. Um, there was like the difference between the, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Patriots is. We, we will forever be the toughest outfit. I'll take our team in a back alley against any team in, in, in the NFL. The New England Patriots are just as tough, but they're smarter. They don't beat themselves. They're not going to do the dumb things. They're not going to get caught up in emotionality of football. They're going to play winning football and do whatever it takes to get out of the building with the W. We have to raise our game from a, from the neck up standpoint. We can't beat ourselves. We got to be just as smart. I'm not worried about our toughness and our physicality because we prided ourselves on, on breaking the will of other teams. But the Patriots were just as tough because they had those caliber of players, but they were also smart. We got it. We had to be smarter. So when you played the New England Patriots, man, it just wasn't about showing up. They they demanded your A game. And if you didn't, you was going to get run out the building. Why is Mike Tomlin such a great coach in your mind? I think it's his – I think, and I know, I shouldn't say I think because I do know, it's his ability to tap into every ball player that wears a helmet for him. That's not an easy gig. He's not a coach that's going to sit in the ivory tower and simply look at you from afar. He's going to put his nose up to your face mask and have a one-on-one conversation with the man in the face mask. And I think that speaks to his level of being in tune to the team. He's not afraid to say anything that's necessary that's going to help the team win. He doesn't cut corners. He understands that everything that involves football to be a winning team and get to where you ultimately want to get to is a process. And he doesn't give up on players. Too many times I see coaches or I've been around coaches who say, you know, he's he's done. I'm tired of talking to him. I'm tired of repeating myself. He doesn't give up on guys. He finds a way to coach the individual and make him the best he can be. Obviously, it's up to the ball player, but he doesn't give up on his ball players off the field and on the field. And I think that's why so many ball players and guys who play for him gravitate to him because they know he's a guy who's literally in the trenches with you. He's not hard to talk to. He's not hard to find. You don't have to go through a chain of command to talk to Mike Tomlin. You simply walk up to Mike Tomlin. And he wants you to express whatever you have to say. Kind of what Eric Bieniemy is trying to get done in Washington. He wants guys to be transparent, but understand there's a standard to how football is played at Pittsburgh, in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You're not going to be you, – you can't be weak, you can't be small-minded, and you can't be fragile when it comes to criticism, nor when it comes to being what's demanded of you to do your job. It's a tall task. You have to be selfless, but you have to be prepared and you have to be diligent. And I think he preaches all that. Players receive it, and I think he also makes it fun for guys, too. He's not willing to – he's not he's not stuck in a stoic way. He's able to adjust, and he's able to relate. And when you have a young locker room and you're dealing with, you know, generations of young guys trying to really learn the game from the from the neck up, you have to be patient, but you, have, you also have to be diligent. And I think he, he represents all that, and he understands what's behind him. Six Super Bowl trophies, the historic Pittsburgh Steelers, the Roonies, and what they mean to the game of football and to the community in Pittsburgh and the community of the NFL – he wears it with a he wears it with a high hat. Last thing before I let you go, you mentioned Bianami. Um, I Rivera aired some dirty laundry. Two questions: What did you think of that entire deal from Rivera airing it? Maybe players complaining to him uh, being too hard. And give me your take on the running back deal that's going on right now in terms of being paid, if you don't mind. You know, Dan, it's. I'm from the old school. I, I'm from the days of of two a days uh, of 
of, you know, these kids today would never know what it means to put on wet pads two o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the afternoon in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, when it's 98 degrees outside and you got a black helmet on your head and still play to the level that's demanded. Eric Bieniemy's old school, man, but he's also was with the Kansas City Chiefs, coached the great uh, Patrick Mahomes, multiple Super Bowls. He's storied, he's decorated himself as a coach. If you're the Washington Commanders and you're dealing with an overhaul with getting Daniel Schneider, uh, Daniel Schneider out in that regime and you're bringing in on a new regime and you're trying to tell the community and the people and the Washington fans, hey, we won't be the same old circus that we were in the, in the, in the papers. We're going to be a better team. We're going to be a winning team. You need a guy like Eric, Eric Bianami to establish a culture that's not going to keep excuses, that's not going to be a mediocre, who's not going to establish anything other than being great each and every day. So Ron Rivera, I think he may have put his foot in his mouth, but at the same time, he's really telling the players, enough is enough. We got to be better. This man's trying to make you better. You may not receive it. You may not appreciate it, but understand it's coming from a good place. And these young guys have to understand football's not easy. You're, you're away from your family. You're away from your family. You spend more time in the locker room with the guys next to you. You need to understand you have to be all in. And being all in means being your best each and every day, even when you don't have it. That's a part of the di- discipline. So he's trying to establish some discipline, some grit. I don't think it's re- being received very well, but normally it doesn't. It takes getting the right guys in the building to buy in. Once they get the right guys in the building, a competitive outfit and a hungry outfit, Washington's going to be where they need to be. Yeah, don't you think it's always easier to lighten up than it is toughen up when you first start out? Like, you can always lighten up, but it's hard if you start out soft and then all of a sudden you're going to get tough. At least that's the coaching mantra. I I think you're 100% right, because if you start off lighthearted and joking, like, oh, guys, we'll get there. Then when you get tough and you have to kind of bite a guy, so to speak, now he's thinking you're being a hardo or you're just trying too hard. Or you're trying to just fit a role in front of the, the group. I'm always of the mindset, man. I've 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 been mother, I've been mother effed, I've been, I've been dragged, I've I've been all of it. But but I'm talking about since since I was 13 years old when I first put on a helmet. So I've I've always been used to hard coaching. Hard coaching doesn't break me. The only thing that broke me as a player was knowing I disappointed myself because I knew better. I knew what was demanded of me. I knew the preparation it took to be the best. And when I didn't meet my own standards, that's when I was breaking my own will because I understood what was demanded of me. Because I always considered myself a leader. I always considered myself a purist. I always considered myself somebody who loved the game, and I knew what it took. So I've never been uh, against hard coaching. I've been fortunate to play for some extremely amazing coaches. And one thing they all have in common is say, leave excuses at the door. Prepare, get ready, get it done. Yeah, I mean, that's – hey, I hope you'll come back, man. This has been a blast, Willie. I, I, hey, by the way, are you one of those guys that uh, says I was a, you were a better basketball player than football player? All you football guys always go, oh, I was a better basketball player. No, man, I, I grew up – I grew up – you know, I'm from the Bronx, right. New York. I grew up I grew up hooping, man. And uh, when I started playing varsity basketball and I, I didn't pass 6'2", 6'3", and I started guarding everybody that was 6'5", and 6'7", and up – I knew it was, it was time to keep that helmet on my head. Yeah, I, well, I, right. I mean, look, uh, I don't blame you. But, I get, oh, man, all my friends that played football, I was a better basketball player. Shut up. No. You were not. You played in the NFL. Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah I agree. I, I did the right Willie. thing. God, God followed me. Yes, you did. 
Yes, you yeah. did. You absolutely did the right. I mean, what the hell? Hope you'll come <laughs> back, man. It was fun. Thank you. Oh, man. Have me anytime. I'm here. That was great, man. Willie Colon is a legend. He is. You talk to people in Pittsburgh. My producer, Kyle Knezovich, Pittsburgh guy, he's like, you got Willie Colon on? That dude's a legend. I go, I know. We only bring legends out here. What do you think this show is? You think this show is just a place to go for the hell of it? No. We got uh, Texas Governor Abbott coming up next. Willie Colon was great. But I'm telling you, in coaching, it is this. It is. You can always lighten up. But it's really difficult to toughen up. If you come in trying to be buddies with somebody, if you come in trying to be the coach, and then all of a sudden, wait a second, wait a second, now I have got to toughen up? That ain't easy. If you see me jacking around with my earpiece, it's because my freaking thing fell out and it rolled across somewhere over here. But I got Governor Abbott coming up, and I cannot wait. Governor Abbott, if you don't know put an executive order out to the state of Texas that basically said, look, if you're born a boy, you're playing against boys. If you're born a woman, you're playing against women. That's it. It doesn't it seem crazy. You know, I say this all the time. Doesn't it seem insane that those are the rules that we have to put in place on an executive order? Doesn't it seem insane to you? It does. All right. When we come back, the great state of Texas is represented by a great governor. I mean a great governor. And that man is Greg Abbott. And I cannot wait to talk to Governor Abbott. Be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well.
Look, you guys that have followed us, know me for years, you know that I love people that don't acquiesce to bullshit. I do. I like people that say, hey, look, this is the way it is. This is the way we're going. And this is how it is. And Governor Greg Abbott of Texas, I am a huge fan, Governor. I don't mean to gush, but I'm going to get into some of the stuff that you have done. And I am a massive fan. Thank you for joining us. Oh, well, thank you. First and foremost, Governor, you passed a save the (laughs) honest to God. I I can't believe we got to talk about this. You saved. You passed by executive order the Save Women's Sports Act, which basically says, hey, look, if you're a guy, you're playing sports against a guy in Texas. If you're a girl, you're playing sports against a girl in Texas. I can, and, you, and you spelled out the spaces with which women are allowed to be in their own locker room, for crying out loud. Governor, I can't even believe we're having this conversation, but Riley Gaines, Paula Scanlon, two friends of our show were there. Talk about the importance of that bill in Texas, if you don't mind. Yeah, so this is a law that I signed uh, last week, uh, protecting women's sports. You know, it's, it's outrageous that men want to participate in women's sports. It's also outrageous that, that men get dressed and undressed in the same locker room that women are getting dressed and undressed. And that's exactly what Paula Scanlon had to do. She's the one who was a swimmer for the University of Pennsylvania, uh, where she competed against a man uh, on the team, but also in the locker room. Uh, and of course, uh, it was a, a man that Riley Gaines lost her swim race to. And it's, you know, why the heck does a man want to participate in women's sports? Well, what's going on in this country? And so we, we want to make it clear in Texas, if, if, if you're a man, you participate uh, in men's sports, uh, if you're a woman, only women will be your competitor in sports, both in college uh, as well as in high school. I don't know where this is headed, uh, but did you get any blowback from any of the colleges? Because you know what? Leah Thomas helped Penn win a little bit, you know, coming over. Did, did Texas, Texas A&M, all the great schools in Texas, the swim so, program, no- did anybody give you any blowback on that? Not at all. For, for one, like the University of Texas, as one example, uh, is a, a frequent uh, national champion uh, in women's swimming. Uh, and so there's no way they want to have that interrupted. Uh, they can win just fine, uh, only with women. But there, there's zero pushback from our universities and our state. Uh, and, and know this, it's, it's not just things like uh, making sure that men are not participating with women in our college sports. I also signed a law uh, this session uh, that eliminated DEI from our universities. Uh, and so uh, we, we are not going to have our universities telling the state what to do. The state is going to set the standard for what the universities are going to do. How important was the DEI bill? Listen, very important. People, Americans need to understand that the problems that are occurring on our campuses uh, what happens is that professors use this DEI ideology uh, for hiring and, and firing purposes. Get this, uh, at, at Texas Tech University, there was a biology professor applying for a position and he was asked, do you think that everybody should be treated equally? And he said, obviously, yes. Well, that was the wrong answer under DEI. 
Uh, and so uh, he was not allowed into the position that he was seeking. This is outrageous. Uh, once again, we're trying to regear the state of Texas uh, so that the professors understand they're employees. They're not the boss. Uh, it's the state of Texas is going to set the standard. And in Texas, we do not allow DEI on our college campuses. Governor, I loved what you did uh, with illegal immigration and calling out Eric Adams, the mayor of, well, of the mayor of New York City, Chicago, and others by saying, "Look, you're a sanctuary city. Be a sanctuary city. You just you just did what they said they were about. You gave them a chance to prove and be men of their word, women of their word. These these mayors, all, all these liberals, all they do is virtue signal." Uh, they can talk big uh, and say, oh, we should be welcoming and uh, states like Texas should be welcoming and allow all these people in. Uh, and it's big talk until they, until they have to walk the walk. Uh, and when uh, New York or Washington, D.C. or uh, Illinois and Chicago, when they actually had to deal with illegal immigrants themselves, they were apoplectic. They could not deal with it. Uh, and now they're pounding the desk demanding that President Biden take action. Well, they're long overdue uh, in uh, calling for the president to take action. And the, the small trickle of people that they're getting uh, who are migrants is something that we deal with every single day. Uh, imagine if they had to deal with what we had to deal with on the border. And that's exactly why Texas is taking the action that we are to deny entry of people who are trying to enter our country illegally. Governor, how bad is it? Can you explain? I've had a number of people that have been to the border come on our show, but to your word, to your own words, you deal with it every single day. Can you explain the difference in the policies that Biden implemented, taking away the policies that Trump had implemented, and what what those policies of Biden have meant to the state of Texas and the border in general? The differences are massive. Remember this: four years ago, uh, we had. The fewest illegal immigration people coming across the border in about 40 years. And that's because of simple policies that President Trump put in place. It was the Man in Mexico policy, the Title 42 policy, the end of catch and release, and the building of a border wall. And when Biden came in, he eliminated all those policies. Uh, and now under Biden, we're seeing an all-time record of the number of people coming across the border illegally. And, and so there's millions of people coming across the border illegally. And I have to add this, what Joe Biden is doing, he literally is causing people to lead to their death. The United Nations, an agency under the United Nations, came out with a report in 2021, uh, declaring that the border between the United States and Mexico was the deadliest land crossing in the entire world. Last year, we saw an all-time record of more than 800 people trying to cross the border who died in the process. And so what Joe Biden's policies are doing is literally leading people to their death. Last thing before I let you go, are you okay with Dak Prescott as a quarterback of the Cowboys? You good there? He's, he's catching a lot of hell and the season hasn't even started, Governor. So I'm a big Cowboy fan, and I go to uh, Cowboy games, and uh, there's nothing more than I want to see than the Dallas Cowboys back in the Super Bowl. Dak Prescott 
uh, is a good quarterback as it concerns stats and things like that. He needs to be able to step up and show he can win a big game. Right. Be a Texan. Do not talk. That's what Texas is about. That's what Texans are about. Governor, I know you got to run. I hope you'll come back. Thank you for the time, sir. Of course. Thank you. Be safe. Yeah, that's Governor Greg Abbott. I'm a huge fan. I love the fact that people say, look, enough, and we're going to step up and we're going to do something. You guys know Riley Gaines has been on our show. Paula Scanlon's been on our show. We're big fans of both and this, and we're certainly fans of the great governor of the state of Indiana. Look, you know what? Our state of Indiana, state of Texas. I wish he was the governor of the state of Indiana, although Holcomb's been very good to my brother as my brother is developing the entire northwest portion of the state of Indiana, trying to bring it back. Uh, speaking of illegal immigration, would you do this? All right, I'm going to ask you very, very, very simple question. Would you house Ill illegal immigrants in your house, on your property? Would you do that? I think most of us wouldn't. And maybe that makes me a bad guy. Maybe that makes me somebody that isn't going to heaven. My whole life's goal is to get to heaven. I don't know if I got a shot. I don't know if I don't have a shot. I got no idea, right? But that's my goal. So here's the deal. Here's the simple deal. Would you house? State of Massachusetts is now asking families to house illegal immigrants. That's what they want you to do as a taxpayer in the university, or excuse me, in Massachusetts, they want you, ladies and gentlemen, to house illegal immigrants. No, let me give you a better thing. Get rid of illegal immigrants. Let illegal immigrants come in legally. How about we do that? That seems, oh my God, that seems foreign to me. Hey, uh, double dizzle. Yeah. Yeah, uh, what can I do for you? We want you to house illegal immigrants. You want me to do what now? Like live in my house with my son and daughter? Okay, here's the deal. Here's what I would say. Before I even consider this, give me the background on this particular person. Well, we don't know. We, we, we don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You want this person to come into my house where I've got kids living, where I've got a wife, where I've got a family, and I've heard all these horror stories about prisons in Peru and other places, China, uh, sending their criminals across the border, and you want me to house these folks without you telling me who they are, without vetting them. Really? That's what you want? I don't think so. No, I, 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 don't, I don't think that's what we're going to do here. What should really happen is this. If you voted for Joe Biden, and of course we have the roles, you house illegal immigrants. You. And by the way, last I looked, President Obama has a $12 million mansion. Joe Biden has two $5 million houses. How about sign up for it? What? what? Why, why don't we do that? The great sanctuary state of Massachusetts, the original. Bring us your poor, your tired, bring them all. Uh, I don't know. 
The governor, this is on August 8th, a couple days ago, declared, declared a state of emergency. A state of emergency, Governor Healy? In a sanctuary state? What are you talking about? She cited the influx of migrants seeking shelter at a time when the cost of housing in short supply continues to rise. There are nearly, listen to this, 5,600 families or more than 20,000 people, many of whom are migrants currently living in state shelters, including infants, young children, pregnant women. This is up from around 3,100 families a year ago. It's an 80% increase. Well, wait a second. If you call yourself a sanctuary city, be a sanctuary city. Uh, I don't know. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this, and I think this is exactly what should happen. 84 million people voted for Joe Biden, allegedly. Get those 84 million people and match them up. Match them up with a family. Help! I think my neighbor here, no, I don't want that. No, hell no. No, no, never mind. Ixnay, Ixnay on the neighbor. No, no, no. I mean, I don't know. It kind of seems like eh, Maybe that's what should happen. Will it? Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. But should it? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Of course it should. You and I both know that. You and I both know that that's exactly what should happen. You voted for this crap. And oh, by the way, another $24 billion, billion of our money, yours and mine, is being sent, or at least asked, by Joe Biden. Another $24 billion is being asked to head on over to not, not the border, not the fentanyl crisis. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. To the Ukraine. To fight a war. Where I've seen pictures of everybody hanging out on beaches. Look, Massachusetts, we go back to it, has a population of 7 million. They're declaring a state of emergency over 20,000 immigrants. Brownsville, Texas has a population of under 10, excuse me, 187,000. They've encountered 50, 15,000 migrants in one week. Oh, poor Massachusetts. All right. Okay. Consider hosting. An illegal immigrant in your house. Let me consider. No. That's as much as I'm considering. It's like I wouldn't let Greg Doyle, the writer for the Indy Star, who was a friend of mine, stay at my house when I got divorced. He was moving to Indy. I originally said, hey, why don't you just stay at my house for a few days? Get yourself squared away. Then I heard, he told me, of all of the affairs he was having with women. He put in an article that he was having an affair, and we were talking about a woman in Charlotte. I didn't know about a woman in Charlotte. I knew about an ESPN reporter. I knew about his neighbor. I knew about uh, him stalking his words, not mine. Uh, His co-worker at her church on a Sunday, he called me. So I said, "Eh, no, you know what? I got a young daughter here. I got an 18-year-old daughter going through a divorce. Eh, She doesn't need some strange dude that doesn't apparently have great morals. He doesn't really need him in our house. Doesn't really need him. So I wouldn't let that guy live at my house. Do you think I'm about to let 
an illegal immigrant that I got no idea. Has he murdered six people? Why does he want to come over? Is he a dreamer? Is he a killer? Is he a robber? Is he a rapist? Not a chance in holy hell. Am I allowing it? Hell, I wouldn't let Doyle. No chance I'm allowing these other folks. The world's nuts. The world is insane. You know what I mean? I don't know. Anyway, let's continue. Odell Beckham apparently likes the Sound of Freedom movie. Odell Beckham has been on this show a lot. Odell Beckham apparently said, hey, Sound of Freedom. I don't even know what to say. That's heavy. Well, Odell Beckham, are you starting to think for yourself? Are you becoming a liberal that can think for themselves? Are you becoming a liberal that does not like human trafficking? It seems like most liberals like human trafficking. It seems like most liberals enjoy human trafficking and want it to continue. I don't understand. I don't understand. Why would a liberal, are you Odell, see, if professional athletes were smart, this is the perfect time, the absolute perfect time for athletes to become conservative. You're getting taxed out of your mind. That tax money is going over, (laughs) going to the Ukraine. Charles Barkley said it best, African-Americans continue to vote. Democratic in big cities, and they continue to be poor. It's a perfect time. It's a perfect time to come over. Yeah, it really is. I'm sorry, but there's never been a more perfect time, and it is right now. Good for Odell Beckham. Maybe Odell Beckham is doing him some thinking. Human trafficking, however it's presented, should just be what should be said about it is, uh uh-uh, no. Ain't doing it. Awful. Ain't involved in it. Uh, A notable Democrat, Joe Manchin of West Virginia, is considering, speaking of becoming a Republican, he's considering leaving the Democratic Party because, quote, the brand is so bad. He is seriously considering switching parties. Well, I got to tell you, who could blame him? I mean, reasonable people, reasonable people reasonable. Got to sit there and go, wait a second. Hold on a second here. What does the Democratic Party stand for? Higher taxes, tax dollar waste. Apparently it stands for let's let transgender folk run our country. Let's let transgender folk, 0.05% of our population, dominate how we go about the business of athletics. Let's let transgender folks and the woke agenda dominate our lives. Let's have open borders. Let's have high taxes. Let's have fentanyl come in. But hey, make sure we pay back our bribes to Russia. Huh? Uh, Joe Biden is marking the first anniversary of the Inflation Reduction Act, which actually increased inflation. Joe Manchin of West Virginia is going to skip the White House campaign-style affair, highlighting the climate and health spending law he helped write. So Manchin helped write this piece of crap, and he is going to, he is going to skip the dinner celebrating it. 
He told the West Virginia radios, probably happy, that he's been thinking about it for quite some time. Changing his party, not to Republican, no, but to independent. Truthfully, more people should go independent. Like, I don't consider myself a staunch Republican. I don't consider myself anything. I consider myself a guy who has his own thoughts. And I think that's a good thing. I do. Uh, Speaking of the woke agenda, you know how Target had that tuck-in stuff for little kids, boys, to act like they're girls? And it backfired? I will never go to Target again. I'm not mad. Colin Cowherd said all of us are mad. I'm not mad. I'm just not supporting something that I don't believe in. That's not anger. That's just common sense. You want to promote little boys being able to tuck their peepees in. Little boys. Little boys. And you want to put it right out there, Target? Good for you, man. But I ain't going. So now Target shareholders are suing over the losses from the tuck bathing suits and super queer shirts. Look, I don't blame you. Uh, you did not get a, what become a shareholder with Target because they represented themselves as a woke agenda with tucks, with boys being able to tuck. I don't know. To me, there's a lot of lawsuits. If you're claiming more than $75,000 and you're not in Minnesota, you can expect target in many cases to remove the case to federal court. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, no one covers the world of golf better than OutKick's Mark Harris. I'm thrilled that Mark is joining us. All right, Phil Mickelson bet a lot of money. Whatever. Billy Walters, legendary gambler, is writing a tell-all book. Phil Mickelson says in a statement, I never bet on the Ryder Cup, and then he went on and on. What do you make of all this? Does this make Phil Mickelson look bad, good? Where are we at with Phil Mickelson here, Mark? Well, I think the kind of the shock factor is just the numbers of in, involved in this in these all like all these allegations. Um, it's well known that Phil Mickelson likes to gamble. Um, even earlier this week, 
uh, Live Golf posted a video of him playing a match with Bryson, and the first thing out of his mouth was, what are we playing for? He's like, let's play $1,000 a man. So um, he's clearly still uh, wagering out on the golf course. But, yeah, you mentioned Billy Walters. This isn't some, like, random guy writing a book that was just having a run-in with Phil. Um, there's a lot to this story. Um, they were involved in an insider trading deal about 10 years ago. Phil got off, had to pay a $931,000 fine. Billy Walters got sentenced to prison for five years. He actually got pardoned by uh, President Trump in 2021. Um, and Phil, kind of the, the conspiracy there is Phil could have kind of testified and stood up for Billy, but Phil was trying to avoid jail himself. So there's a lot of juice to the, uh, the whole thing. But as far as the gambling, I mean, like I said, it's just the figures of, of what it was. And I don't know, I, everybody knows that Phil Mickelson's not your average American. The guy, you know, has a, you know, rumored net worth that's hovering around $900 million over his career. So it's not like he's uh, just making a six-figure paycheck year after year. Um, could Mickelson have gone to jail in that insider trading deal had he not testified or had he not uh, gone after Billy Walters? Did Billy Walters take the fall for him? Yeah, that, you know, I was, I was, I was still in college and that was happening. I was out of this world um, when all that went down, but uh, that's what I've read. Um, they, they definitely had a tie in, you know, everything you read, they were, they were working together. There was actually two cases involved with Phil. Um, he got one of those pardoned on some stock he was working with. And the other one was the one that they were tied in on where he just paid his close to a million dollar fine. And it certainly reads like Billy Walters kind of took a fall there. Um, where he made uh, close to $40 million on that uh, insider trading thing. So he was uh, thrown in prison for five years. But like I said, uh, President Trump uh, pardoned him in early 2021. When you look at Phil Mickelson as a golfer right now, particularly on the – well, obviously he's on the live tour. Um, his best days are behind him, but he did win a major a year ago. I mean, where is he as a golfer? You know, I think it's it's funny because I think it's changed a lot in just like a two year stretch. Um, obviously, the PJ Championship was, you know, it's it, it, over fifty years old was one of the greatest feats in golf history. Um, he came out of absolutely nowhere, beats up on Brooks Kepka in the final round to win it. Um, I think kind of the the opinion on him from the the golf purists, you know, a couple years ago, even before Liv got off the ground, was you know, wow, it's just you know, typical quote unquote slimy Phil doing slimy things. Um, but I think his diehards are still kind of there. Um, he's just, he's, you know, he's been around forever. It, it was him and it was him and Tiger and VJ Singh for a bit. And everybody loved Phil. And I think they still love, uh, he certainly has his own, uh, his following. that's not going to go anywhere, but I will kind of throw this, uh, this theory out at you as far as the live golf stuff. Obviously he was the captain of all this from a player's perspective. If it kind of comes out where this wasn't, you know, oh, you know, I was doing this for the PJ Tour players and live, and we need to get team golf, and we need more money, more money, more money, just for golfers in general, where it was maybe kind of a, a backdoor kind of uh, gambling hole this guy was in, where that kind of can play into the role of him saying, oh, we need to do this. Like, I need, I need a little bit of change. I need some, uh, some guaranteed paydays coming up. I'm 51 years old. Those aren't coming anytime soon ever again. Um, that's something to keep an eye on. Who knows if that ever comes out, even if that's true. But conspiracy, conspiracy theorists are, are running pretty hot right now. I don't know if you heard, but aliens exist now. So, um, you know, it could well, be something do. to uh, keep an eye on here. They do. And, you know, one of the things that I never begrudge a guy is you want to gamble? Gamble. Like back in the day, gambling was, you know, the backdoor deal. You had, you know, bookies, somebody. I, I remember going with a friend of mine to collect when I was like 12 years old on our bike. His family was a gambling family. I mean, but now, hey, look, it's out there. 
I don't know. I mean, I guess the numbers that he bet are staggering, and you go the average American. But is it bad if if he left to go to live to cover his gambling debts? I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, it's know. it's it's something that hadn't really been seen in the world of golf too, and like. With the Ryder, you know, the allegations where he was going to bet on the Ryder Cup, 400 grand on the Ryder Cup, that one kind of is a red flag to me because that's a team thing. Um, you know, it's not just him betting on himself in a 100-man field where he can't, you know, control some other golfers kind of stuff. That one's a little strange. But, yeah, as far as the – I mean, it's he's an American guy. It almost adds to, like, his persona almost that he's involved with this because it's like – Phil is Phil, and that's just – we've known he's a gambler. He'll go out and gamble 100 grand against anybody any day of the week. Um, I know stories personally of the guys that played with him, and that's the first thing out of his mouth during practice rounds. Um, it's just kind of is – it is who he is, and it's not really going to – I don't think it's going to change many perspectives. And, you know, the whole, oh, he bet 100 and something uh, – or 47 bets or whatever on MLB games in one day. It's like you and your buddies out in Vegas on a bender, like you can make $47, 47 bets in one day. Um, you're not going to pet a hundred. Your unit it size it in 110 grand, but um, you know it it is what it is. It's not. I don't think it changes too much of his persona. It's not some. It's just if, once you get past the staggering numbers, it's just Phil being Phil, in my opinion. Mark, they said, "Well, he bet an average of nine bets a day." You know what? I thought that was low. I, I did. Yeah. Like, I don't. I, I I thought like nine bets a day. I mean. I've got guys, I literally have a friend. We were talking about Fitbits and steps. You know, everybody wants to get steps in as they get older. He goes, Dan, I got a record that you'll never touch. And I thought he was going to say, like, you know, I got 70,000 steps in a day. He said, I, and his wife was right there and she verified. I think the number was, Dan, there was a football Sunday. I took 37 steps the entire day. I woke up in time, walked from there to there. Yeah, that's pretty good. Laid on my couch the entire day. Yeah, it's like, so, you know, dudes on a football <laughs> Sunday, they may make 50 bet. You know, so I, to your point, Mark, I think that's what endears people to Phil and Phil to people because that's what guys are doing tonight, watching Major League Baseball. It, it, once yeah. you start having DraftKings and you made it legal, let's go. You can bet on anything. I mean, from your phone in most states, you can bet on horse races going on in Australia or whatever the case may be, Chinese baseball, whatever you want to bet on. Um, yeah, like you said, it's just it's just Phil being Phil, and he's not. That's not going to change anybody's idea for what he's what he's come out to be. Um, he's still a legend of the game, and as far as the numbers go, I, I saw a tweet from uh, Matt Vincenzi, who's a PGA writer himself, and he he broke it down kind of for the the typical American for. If you you know if you make a hundred grand and you're making your unit sizes X compared to Phil's, that's hundred fifty dollars a bet. Which you know that's a high number. Making nine bets a day, you're betting over a grand a day. It, I I would probably categorize that maybe being a problem. But um, yeah, it's in the grand scheme of Phil's net worth and fortune and all this. It's gosh, it's, it's crazy to say, but it was. I think it's just a hobby away from the golf course for the guy. <laughs> I do too. I, I just think it's a hobby. It's a way to get some juice going. It's a way to get it, you know, done. All right. What's going to happen here as we move into the playoffs? What, what do you like this weekend? What do you see this weekend? Yeah. I, you know, I, being here in Memphis, it's around the corner for me. Um, I, I kind of, I liked John Rahm heading into the week, but he's, he's beating a total of five guys in the field so far. Um, not looking great for him. It's tough to not be on the Scheffler wagon. It's just like, Numbers have to play out where the guy wins. 
this week, next week, or the next, where because it just the numbers have to fall his way um, sooner rather than later because he's playing better than anybody has in the past decade. Um, not named Tiger Woods in his prime, basically. Um, so yeah, I think it's Scheffler's to lose. I think Rory could make some noise. He hasn't had a great track record around Memphis. Um, I know he played, you know, pretty solid uh, yesterday in the first round. Jordan Spieth's up there at the top of the leaderboard. Um, it would certainly be fun to see him kind of get in the mix with the big three as far as the standings go for the last two weeks. Um, but like it always is, it's not. It's going to be the top dogs like it is of uh, the past five, six years at the FedEx Cup um, when we get to Atlanta for the final, whatever, 25, 30 guys that are playing. Why do I feel, even though Jordan Speed threw a nice 63 at him yesterday and he is atop the leaderboard, why do I feel like he could be on top the leaderboard tomorrow, today, tomorrow, but I feel like any more with Speed, I feel like he's going to crap the bed in round four. And that, that's unlike yeah. Speed from a few years ago, right? Yeah, there's a. I saw something, read some statistic where it's, today is the day to watch out for Spieth. Um, the second round has not been kind to him in quite a while. So if he posts another low number today, that's a pretty good sign for anybody that's backing him this week. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of trouble, trouble around TPC Southwind. Um, most water balls of any golf course on the entire tour. Um, a lot of trouble lurking. Yesterday was super soft conditions. We got almost two inches of rain. Uh, and you give those guys super soft and fairways not running out and easy greens, they're going to they're gonna light it up. Um, it's going to get significantly harder, which could play to speed strength if he keeps it out of the drink. Um, but, you know, I think he, he should be there on Sunday. But like you said, there's he hasn't necessarily put together four rounds of, uh, you know, typical speed golf in quite a while. Like I said, it'd be great to see him jump into that mix of the top three guys the, the last two weeks of the, uh, the FedEx Cup playoffs. But uh, we'll just a wait and see game. Yeah, you know, I mean, I know that Rom shoots three over and Scheffler's three under, but I always feel like, all right, Rom stunk early. He'll be there in the end. Scheffler will be there in the end. I mean, and I and I hate to say it, but with DJ, even when he would play in an event now or with Speed, I always, I never felt this way, but I feel like they're going to yeah. crap the bet. Hey, Mark, thanks for coming mm -hmm. on, man. I appreciate it. Keep doing great stuff. Thank you. As always, Dan, anytime. Great to talk to you. That's Mark Harris. Read him and follow him. Uh, he is the best in golf coverage here, and he's on OutKick. It's just really, really good. And you know what? Uh, I like following this stuff. Dylan's guy, Tommy Fleetwood. Dylan bets on Tommy Fleetwood every single tournament that Tommy Fleetwood is in. Now, Tommy Fleetwood dropped a sassy little 66 on him, minus four. You know he's going to be around, but he never seems to win. We deal with winners here, lady. Haley joins us. It's Friday. And the lovely Haley Caronia joins us live from, uh, looks like maybe you're in your apartment today. No? Yes, I'm in my living room. The comfort right. of... Uh, what's going on? Well, what's, I know you... What are you railing against? What's on your mind, woman? What's on my mind is Disney is doubling and tripling down on woke. I'm sure you've seen all the latest with them peddling women's clothes or girls clothes being modeled by some non-binary man. Um, obviously, they're remaking a lot of their old films, which I think is lazy. I think people want new content, fresh content, and we don't want woke content. And what Disney's formula is, is they made a good movie however many years ago. In this case, Snow White, 1937. They're going to remake it. They remade it in 2012. That wasn't woke enough. They're going to do it again. So this new remake has no dwarves. 
And uh, Snow White's going to save everyone by herself. She's a heroine. She doesn't need a man. People on TikTok are pissed. By that. I just mean that it's no longer 1937. And we absolutely wrote a Snow White. That She's is not going to be yeah. saved by the prince. She's not going to be saved by the prince. Everyone's talking about this video, but you know what pisses me off about it? Like, obviously, it's annoying that they're changing the whole story. They didn't cast any dwarves. The main girl is just complaining about the whole thing. What makes me so annoyed is how smug they are about it. Like Snow White was about being kind and soft and gentle. Now she's like, what is she doing? She's like running for president or something in this new movie. Like, I don't want to see it. Snow Nobody White wants to see that. Not being saved by the prince. Is that what Snow White is? I mean, I always thought it was White? a great story, but I... I'm old and I don't know. I don't know. What do I know? It's just frustrating. And there have been so many issues with this movie so far where people, you know, they try to go woke and then it backfires. So they wanted to do away with dwarves altogether and then just have, you know, some menagerie of magical different creatures of all different shapes and sizes and colors, whatever. Now dwarves are... Uh, or I'm sorry, well, they're not, they would be playing dwarves, but little people, actors are upset because they're not getting the role in this film that was essentially written for them. I mean, this is the same argument that the left has, you know, why are you uh, choosing a white actor when it's a, you know, whatever the character is. So they they have doubled down on this. You shouldn't whitewash or, you know, all these Hollywood films and, and, uh, actors and now they've essentially done the same thing to little people who i'm sure would love an opportunity to act in this film and now they're not getting it yeah i mean stupid they Just also stupid. made that decision by the way they made that decision by the way to promote equality or inclusivity i don't know how that's inclusive to exclude little people but that's disney uh, all right. I just had enough of Disney. I, 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 you know what? Target with the talk. Now they're being sued. Disney's going in the tank. ESPN. Maybe they saved themselves with Penn. I don't know. I've had enough. Just, I'm not drinking Anheuser-Busch. I've had enough and I'm not shopping at Target. And I'm no longer buying Harry Ra Harry's razors. And Haley, I'm not mad. It's not like, you know, Colin Cowherd said that we're all mad. I'm not mad. I'm just not doing it. I mean, it's just, right. you know. I'll support who supports me. There you go. Absolutely. All right. Give it we'll to me. What, we'll what do you got? First. You fired on me. I think you've been done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, kid. That's right. I think you've been done. Yeah. I remember. You want him back? I remember when I got pooped on the first time by my son Andrew. I remember going, What is this black stuff? What the hell are we doing here? Uh, but I hung in there. I hung in there. I don't, that's pretty cute. That's got to be yours, by the way. That, that feels like yours. That Give me another not. one, lady. What do you got? That's got to be yours. Uh, 
America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping, traveling with him. I guess we traveled 17,000 miles when I was vice president. I don't know that for a fact. America is a nation. Joe Biden's a joke. Look at this word, Haley. Look at this word here, Haley. Look at the word that we're I don't know what word he was trying to say. I was in the foothills of the Himalayas, true pressure. I don't know. It's very confusing. And I think I think at the end there he said, um, I don't know that to be a fact. It's like, yeah, that's pretty much the prerequisite. That's what he should say before he says anything. (laughs) If if you if you end everything with I don't know that for a fact when you're up there and, you know, you're supposed to be giving facts. I mean, as a president does does. And I'm asking you this, you know, it could be anybody does the ending it with. I don't know that for a fact. Does that give you cover for being a liar? Uh, I'd say no, especially if you're the president of the United States. I mean, that's like when someone says something really offensive and they say, but no offense. Right. Well, that didn't help. Uh, Just said something really mean and I'm offended. So that doesn't help the cause. Somebody once told me, maybe it was Game of Thrones. This might've been on Game of Thrones. They said, whatever happens before the word, but doesn't matter. Whatever you say before, but, you know, Dan, uh, you have a really big, ugly face, but, you know, you're kind of a nice guy. All right. I guess. I don't know. You know, anything said before the but, throw it out, right? (laughs) Throw it out. Anything before the but. In that case, I like, come on. Thank you. All right. What's going on? What's next? I appreciate it. How you doing? Oh, no, no, a little bit further. A little bit further, young lady. You're so close. Right, so close. How's it going? I think he knows who we are. That's not where the card goes. It is literally loose on an angle, and it's a uh, two-spot split. Come on. Oh, she gave me, I don't know if you saw her there. She, oh, I'm, she's mouth, you're right. I'm sorry? I didn't know, what were you saying? You left your card out, blocking the spots. I don't think I blocked any spots. Everybody first. Well, that's the whole point, though, is that once one person does it, it makes it a little bit harder for the next person. You're right. So, and I'm sorry I did. Unfortunately, I have a bad hip. Uh, <laughs> I'll do what? That's pretty uncool. Because since I have to have hip replacement surgery, you think you might want to not laugh. Well, did you have? Did you have your hip? Was it? Did you need surgery when you walked in the store? Okay. So are we gonna have a conversation? Yes, it's my it's my job is to have these conversations and to teach folks. And you have a partner with you who could do it for you. I'm sorry? All right, there goes the head magnet. Um, Did you just hit my car? No, no, it's a magnet. It's a... Yeah, but that's assault. I don't think you know what that word means, number no, one, ma'am. Actually, do you have a lawyer? What okay, well, give me the definition. I'm sorry, what'd you just do? I put a magnet on the car. Yeah, it, that's, it's a, that's the... Okay, we're going to call the cops for that. And what would you like to say about that? What's the charge going to be, do you think, ma'am and sir? Uh, it's called assault. Uh, well... What, Definitely don't know if that's assault. Then? So the account is called Cartnarks. 
And this is a person who goes around and yells at people who don't doesn't they don't put their carts back in the cart corral in the parking lot, oh. which I think is rude. It's such an easy thing to do. Just walk. The woman has, claims all of a sudden she has hip problems. It's like and the person knows that they're doing the wrong thing. And then as soon as they they get called out for it, they're all defensive. And it's like, you knew you were doing the wrong thing. You didn't have a hip problem when you walked into the store or out of the store. So you can't walk an extra, I don't know, 20 feet to the cart corral. Give me a break. There used to be a show on, I think it was ABC. I don't know if it's still on or not, but it was called What Would You Do? And they would put hidden cameras in situations yes. like this to see what people would do. Like, are you going to do the right thing? And are you only doing the right thing because cameras are rolling? So I think in that case, she's okay with doing the wrong thing when she thinks that no one's watching. Unfortunately for her, the cart narcs were watching. So the cart narcs, we got cart narcs. I will tell you this. I will tell you this. And I will tell you this. I always put my cart back. Always. Yes, you do. We had Man. Haley, in uh, we have a Walmart here on the south side of Indian Beach Grove that literally put a mobile home out there as a police station. That's how bad this place was. Wow. And there's a there's a legendary fight. You can look it up on YouTube. I think it had 10 million views, maybe, where two big gals, big ones, one got out of her wheelchair. You know how you wheel the motorized cart? She uh-huh. gets out of this thing and is throwing hands with this other. And one of the kids, one of the mom's kids starts beating the other overhead with a shampoo bottle. My point is people in stores are nuts. She's riding around in a cart because her lazy ass didn't want our scooter because her lazy ass. What, she wasn't handicapped. She just didn't yeah, she want didn't to do anything. People are lazy. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. She didn't want to walk. But as no. soon as someone starts throwing hands, then she can get up and start fighting someone. People are honestly, I don't know when that was, Dan, but I swear people were bad before COVID. But once COVID, everyone was locked in their houses. I swear everyone forgot how to be a human being. Yeah, that one was before COVID. And I actually played the video and I did a ring announcer's voice with it, you know, and the big and throws a left. And stretch pants, backs up, and throws a right. It was class. I'm going with the baby. I like a little kid getting pooped on and saying, hey, you want the kid back? I love that one. What are we talking about? Look at this thing. How cute is this? I don't think I've had a win in a while. I don't think I've had a win in a while. No, you've been on a losing streak. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Last thing, uh, you are the lady about town. What's going on this weekend? I think I'm going to play golf this weekend. I played golf last weekend and I played pretty well. I got a birdie, um, hit some pretty good drives. So I'm feeling good and I'm going to get back out there and practice. Very nice. Very nice. Last, last question. You again, as the lady about town, I, for my birthday, which is coming up next week, (laughs) I told my wife, I go, Hey, I want to go to the Nickelback concert. Do you think less of me because I'm excited about going to a Nickelback no. concert? No. And there were, Nickelback was here in Nashville not too long ago. He's on tour. And there were a bunch of Canadians. We were doing man on the street interviews. 
all these Canadians were in town because I was asking people American history questions. and Everyone was like, I'm Canadian. I'm Canadian. I'm Canadian. <laughs> so I was like, what are all these Canadians doing here? Apparently, Nickelback is Canadian. So that's what they were all in town for. Really? What's his name? Chad Kruger. Chad Kroger. Chad yeah. something. He's Canadian. Yeah. I didn't. Who knew? I just know I. I just know I, I like him, and I and I'm I can't wait to go. But I'm being I'm catching hell. I'm catching yeah. hell. I don't so, know why. I, own it. Look at this photograph. Yeah, own it. And rock star. Yes. Those are the only two songs I know. Right. But <laughs> there, I guarantee you know. I, at least like, well, do we know any songs? So I started playing. She goes, I know that song. I know that song. Yeah. Yeah. We go. We go uh, once a year. We do. We do something VIP. Like we get like probably a limo. I mean, just once a year. We just we just say screw it, and that's yeah, what we're doing. Out. Nickelback, baby. Ball out for the Thank birthday. You. Love that, Dan. Yeah. At uh, 29 years old, it doesn't come around often, but as you can <laughs> tell by all of this, it's certainly, certainly here. Thank you, Haley. Uh, Monday, special announcement. We got Tim Tebow on the show coming up on Monday. We had Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas today. I know we had some technical difficulties. Hey, look, that's what we do. We got technical difficulties once in a while. But we got through it. Uh, Haley, thank you so much. Nick, thank you so much. Of course, Dylan and Ryan and Katie. Uh, as I said, we do, we will uh, have Tim Tebow. We're going to be talking about a number of things, including uh, Tim's interest, which we all should have a hell of an interest. I, it's insane that we don't. But I got to tell you, have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful weekend, everybody.